time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. You know, what's really exciting is that this podcast is now being heard and listened to in 27 countries across the world. It just seems like new countries keep getting at it, at it every week. And so that's very exciting. I don't know who these people are, but I'm thankful to them that they're checking out the Vintage Truth Podcast and more importantly, checking out the Word of God and the truth that God has for their lives because God's truth changes our lives. It's not just there for information, it's there for transformation. And that's what the Vintage Truth Podcast is all about. So today, I want to start talking about an exciting subject. You know, a lot of people in the Christian life, they, um, they're, they're really confused about the Holy Spirit. They don't understand Him. Uh, they don't know what He does. They don't know what He is. Uh, what's even more confusing is that the King James Bible calls Him the Holy Ghost. And when I think about the Holy Ghost, the only thing I can think about is Casper, the friendly ghost. And uh, that's not the Holy Spirit. And so he's not a ghost. He's, he's God. And he's co-equal with God the Father, God the Son, and God, uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit. They're three persons, one essence, making up the triune God we refer to as the Trinity. But the Holy Spirit's not just there. He's not just like this ethereal mist that floats around. He's real. And he has some incredible interaction with us in our lives. Specifically, there are many ministries of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I want to highlight 10 of the incredible, amazing ministries of the Holy Spirit in the next couple of podcasts for you. Because I want you to know who the Holy Spirit is. I want you to know how to relate to him and how he relates to you and what he does for you. Because there's so many awesome benefits that he does for us in our lives. So let's just jump into this thing. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does for us is the Bible says that he actually convicts us of our sin and of our need for Jesus. You know, I don't know, when you look back on your conversion experience, when you look back on when you came to know Jesus, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the Holy Spirit was working on you. It didn't just happen. You didn't just decide one day to follow Jesus. It was because the Holy Spirit came to you and the Bible says that he convicted you or made you aware of your sin. You say, Jeff, well, what does that, what does that look like? Well, let's listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 16 and verse, uh, beginning of verse seven, he says, but I tell you the truth that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It is the mission of the Holy Spirit to convince people that they are sinners. Because naturally, in our natural state, we think we're fine. Because why? Because we look at other people who are worse than we are, and we say, well, at least I'm not him. At least I'm not her. And we think we're okay because we think that maybe our our good deeds, our niceness, whatever, our kindness, kind of outweighs the negative aspects of our life or our our bad deeds or the bad things we've done in our lives. And we think sometimes that 
some people think that when at the end of your life, God just kind of adds up all the good things, adds up all the bad things, and kind of on a win-loss column and sees what you have more of. And that's how he judges how you get in heaven. That's not it at all. The Holy Spirit convinces us that we are bad. We're really bad. We're depraved. The Bible says that we, that our, our hearts are so wicked that no one can even understand them. And so without the Holy Spirit convincing us of that, we don't really know that we need God. We talked about that a little bit in the previous podcast about how unless you understand your sinful state and the penalty for sin and how desperate you are for God, you'll never know how how much you need Jesus. So he says that he convicts the world concerning sin, our sin, and righteousness, his righteousness, and judgment the coming judgment on the head of sinners, Satan himself. In fact, he says in verse 9, he begins explaining this in verses 9 through 11, he says, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Those who do not believe in Jesus must be convicted of their sin of not believing in Jesus so that they can repent of that and, and believe in him, have faith in him. And concerning righteousness, he says, because I go to my Father and you no longer behold me. In other words, the fact that I'm going to one day rise from the dead and ascend to heaven will be a convincing proof of the fact that I am the righteous God. And the Holy Spirit is going to convince people of that through what happens uh, in that event. And then he says in verse 11, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So so the first thing we find out is that, is that the Holy Spirit, one of his amazing ministries is that he convicts us of sin and our need for Jesus. And even, even as we go along in our Christian lives, we, you know, there's that old hymn, I need, I need thee every hour, I need you every hour. Well, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He tells us every day how much we need God in our lives. Here's a second amazing ministry of the Holy Spirit is that the Bible says that he actually makes us alive in Christ. You say, Jeff, what, what does that mean? Well, when we look over in uh, the book of Titus, uh, the book of Titus there, uh, Titus is right over here right before uh, the book of Philemon. Oh, excuse me, Philemon. Yeah, there it is, uh, Philemon. And listen to what Paul says. He writes, he says, uh, For we also were once uh, foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in, in malice and envy and hateful, hating one another. Then he says, but, and I love the buts of the Bible, but he says, But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, because that's impossible, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us gives us life again in fact uh, he says in over in ephesians uh, chapter 2 talks about this very thing he talks about how we we were dead in our trespasses and sins we walked according to the prince of the power of the air according to the course of the world and he says we were by nature children of wrath deserving god's wrath even as the rest but verse four another but he says but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. You see, that's one of the Holy Spirit's 
roles is to make us alive in Jesus Christ. And you remember when Jesus was having the, uh, the conversation with, uh, with Nicodemus? You know, it was this, uh, this Nick at night encounter. And in John chapter 3, I love what, what Jesus uh, says about the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 5, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of, of water, even the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So the Holy Spirit is who causes us to be born again. That's his role in our lives. He makes us alive in Christ. He regenerates our spirit. And there's so much more we can say about that. But, you know, quite honestly, unless the Holy Spirit regenerates us, we don't even have the ability to place faith in Christ. In fact, that's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. That is not of yourselves. It, that faith, is the gift of God not a result of works that no man should boast. And so one of the incredible, amazing roles of the Holy Spirit is that you didn't just birth yourself. Somebody birthed you. (laughs) I mean, we didn't conceive ourselves in the womb, did we? No, there had to be the seed planted in us. The Bible tells us in 1 John that we have the seed of God. That Greek word is the word sperma. We have the seed of God in us, meaning, meaning God is the one who birthed us, the Holy Spirit gave us a new nature, but that that began by him making us alive in Christ. Let me give you another uh, incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this, is, this is the third one here. And we see this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 13, because this is a very, very confusing subject among some Christians today. And here's, here's the, the ministry, is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ and into the body of Christ. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, which is a very uh, has is has been a very misunderstood and misinterpreted passage about the Holy Spirit and what is referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what uh, Paul says. He says for by one spirit we were all all baptized into one body. In other words, if you have not been baptized by the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian because the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. It happens the moment that you are saved. He goes on to say in that that, uh, verse that we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the same Holy Spirit that, that convicted you of your sin and your need of Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that made you alive in him, is the same Holy Spirit that baptizes you into the body of Christ. So what does that mean, baptize in the body of Christ? Well, the word <clears throat> baptize simply means to immerse, and it comes from the practice uh, in the first century of dyeing fabric. So what they would do is they would take a, a fabric of a cloth, piece of cloth or, or a garment uh, that was perhaps white, and uh, yeah, it was white, and they would take it and they would dip it into a vat, or, or that contained dye, let's say in this case, blue dye, so that when the fabric was totally immersed into the vat and when the, f- the fabric was lifted out of the vat, guess what? It's no longer the color it used to be. It's now the new color of what was inside the vat, okay? So it's it's been baptized. It means be immersed or identified with. So the color in the vat 
is identified with the cloth. The cloth is identified with the color so that now you can't tell the two apart, can you? That's what baptism means. That's why baptism by immersion, I believe, is the most biblical method of baptism because that it reflects this whole principle, the whole word of baptism and, and the practice of, of the New Testament church. And so, anyway, the whole point is that the Holy Spirit immerses us into Christ and into the body of Christ so that we now have uh, a, new, a new nature. In fact, over in, in Romans chapter 6, Paul says that, um, that we have been buried with Christ, uh, with him through baptism unto death. It's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about spirit baptism. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So he's saying that, that when we became a Christian, he identified us. He gave us a new identity. He immersed us into Christ so that we now have the, the Spirit of God, the nature of God in us. We have a new nature, the Bible says, and we become members of the body of Christ worldwide. So whether you're a member of a church, you know, official member with your name on the roll and that kind of thing, you get mail outs and emails and that kind of thing, whether you are or not, if you're a Christian, you're a member of the body of Christ. And believe me, membership has its privileges to be in the body of Christ. You say, well, what, what, what about, you know, what if, um, what if I sin really, really bad after becoming a Christian? I mean, can I ever be unbaptized or, you know, can you ever do that? Well, think about it this way. Um, when you have a, a piece of cloth that, that, let's just say a blue piece of cloth, you can put Clorox on that and make it white again, uh, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to damage the cloth. But in spirit baptism, you can't become what you once were. <laughs> I mean, once you're baptized into Christ, it, th- that, that deal is done. So how do I know that? Well, because of the fourth ministry of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about here in our lives, this fourth amazing ministry is that the Holy Spirit also seals us in salvation. You say, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says in verse uh, 13, it says, in him also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit. And in biblical days, sealing, the whole idea of sealing meant <clears throat> basically three things. It meant protection, and it meant possession, and it meant authenticity. So they would take a document and roll it up. Let's say the Roman government take a document, roll it up, and they would, would uh, drip wax on it, and then they would put a seal. They would imprint a seal of, of a ring that had like the emblem of, of the Caesar or the Roman government on that, and that told both the bearer and the receiver of that document that that document, number one, was the, was the possession of the Roman government. It also meant that it was protected by the Roman government. So if you broke, broke that seal, you had to answer to the government. And then thirdly, it, that seal meant that it was an authentic Roman document by virtue of the fact that it had the Roman seal imprinted in that wax. So by the same token, being sealed in the Holy Spirit means that we are protected in him with eternal security. It means that we are possessed by him, owned by him. We are his property. We are his possession, a people of God's own possession, the Bible calls us, and that we are also authentic believers. 
We're not counterfeit believers. So in other words, every person who has been sealed by the Holy Spirit is a genuine Christian, okay? That's one of the authentic signs of a Christian is that the Holy Spirit has sealed them. And that sealing happens at the second of salvation. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an airtight seal. And for someone, we can do another podcast on eternal security. That'd be kind of fun. But for someone to, to break that seal and to try to destroy that document in the Roman world meant that they would be under punishment by the Roman government because there are laws for that. Well, for someone to try to break the seal, i.e. sin, Satan, demons, even yourself, someone else, try to take your salvation away, they first have to overcome the authority of the Holy Spirit. So, so here's how it works. If someone can destroy the Holy Spirit and overpower him, okay, and we see later on in, in Colossians uh, chapter 3, if they can overpower the Father and the Son, because we, we, we are hidden with Christ in God, so for someone to take your salvation means that they have to overpower God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're sealed. We're sealed the Holy Spirit. All right? Let me give you one more quick one before we, before we uh, go to the next podcast uh, on Monday. Is that the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, doesn't just seal us in salvation, but one of the first things you do after becoming a Christian, what do you think that is? One of the first things that you learn to do is that you learn to pray. You start praying. In fact, you pray like you've never prayed before because now you're actually getting to know this wonderful God. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27, listen to what it says. It says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Why? What weakness do we have? For we do not know how to pray as we should. You ever felt that before? And I have. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It means that that our eagerness for 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 God to 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 complete our salvation and and take us to heaven one day because that's what the previous context is talking about here. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, and we don't even know how to say it to God. We don't even have the words to say it to Him. But it says He, the Holy Spirit, who searches the hearts, knows the mind uh, of the Spirit, what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So sometimes when we don't know what to say to God, how to say it, when to say it, how fervently to say it, we just know there's something in our heart that longs for heaven. Uh, we know we have desires and, and prayers for people. We don't know how to express those things. Uh, there are times when we're in trouble and we're just saying help, but the, but the groaning of our soul is so much deeper than the word help or, or God, I need you or Lord, where are you? Or, Lord, I'm so excited about what you're doing in my life right now. There's so many of those types of things that we don't know how to express because we're just speaking language. And, and if you're an English-speaking person or whatever language you speak, you're speaking that in that language to God. Guess what? The Holy Spirit understands the real intent of your heart. He understands what is in your spirit that is too deep to put into words. And he, he translates that. He intercedes to the Father. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that incredible? The Bible tells us that Jesus intercedes for us re, regarding our salvation. He's ever present before the Father. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in prayer. And that's what this verse means. 
And so isn't that an incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit? He convicts us of sin and our need for God. He makes us alive in Christ. He baptizes us in the body of Christ. And in Jesus, he seals us in salvation and he intercedes for us according to the will of God. Those are just five of the amazing ministries of the Holy Spirit. And Monday, I'm coming back, and I'm going to tell you about five more that's just going to blow your mind. The ministries of the Holy Spirit. Hey, have a fantastic weekend. I'll see you on Monday at the Vintage Truth Podcast. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.